Good morning. I want to welcome you to Memorial United Methodist. My name is Joe Cade. I'm the minister here. We're so grateful that you're here. We'd like to lead off by talking about hospitality. If you are new here today, we're so grateful that you came. We hope that you uh, found your way in uh, with a friendly face. We have copies of the sermon that are in the back that you can pick up if you are hard of hearing. If you have a family member that you know can't hear me, make sure that uh, you grab a copy of the sermon for them so that they have it. And two weeks from now, we'll have our next uh, Exploring Membership class at Memorial. It will be every first Sunday in the Sunday School Hour. You can learn more about membership at Memorial, what it takes, what we uh, treasure, what we want to be doing in the very near future and in the future, um, uh, the distant future. Uh, so make sure you know that. In regards to worship, um, we have our books are in the back. If you ordered a book, you can pick one up and we'll take care of the check. I just want to make sure that you get your book today. If you did not order a book, just make sure that um, uh, we get them out to everyone. And we do have extras. We'll make sure we get, them, uh, get you an extra. Also today at 3 p.m. here in the sanctuary is the um, handbell concert. This should be a perfect indication and a perfect reminder that a handbell concert is coming um, this afternoon and also a choral concert with Lauren. We have um, combined with several efforts with First Prez already in my short time here and today is another effort in that collaboration. They put a great deal of time in and we hope that you'll come at 3 p.m. Um, you can also see, you can see that announcement in the bulletin alongside another announcement of participating in the Easter Choir. If you think, I can sing, but I don't have 48 weeks in my year to be present, you can come and sing in the Easter Choir, and we uh, encourage you to do so. You'll see that announcement in there. Also regarding worship, Mary Hayes' memorial service will be Saturday at 2 p.m. at Woods Mortuary. Uh, Reverend John Rush and I are going to lead that service and um, uh, we encourage you to go. It will be at Woods Mortuary on Saturday at 2 p.m. Um, also regarding worship, we have a combined service next Sunday. What time is the combined service? 10 o'clock. Where is the combined service? It's right here. Why is it here? So that we can go over to the Family Life Center directly following worship uh, for a meal to celebrate Katie Jeter. Um, they need a reservation. If you have not told Christy Morris or um, Marsha Mays that you would like to attend, please let them know. Imagine, I'm trying to decide if you were cooking for 100 or 250, if you were cooking a meal. Uh, make sure that they know that you would like to participate. Um, in terms of faith development, today at 2 p.m., we have program council. We've now divided the two decision-making bodies of our church into two different emphases. One is administrative. They're thinking... Are we going to pay our light bill? Do we have parking? Do we have staff to do what we need to do? Program staff is thinking, what's our identity? What's our purpose? What are we trying to be here? And giving them a meeting every other month allows us to focus entirely on that purpose uh, for the month. So program council meets today at 2 p.m. If you are a leader in that council, you got an email this week. Mission and service. Um, the craft fair, we had a craft fair um, for Greer Relief in the fall. It was in the Family Life Center that filled it up, had all kinds of crafts. We have another one on March 5th in the Family Life Center. If you have uh, skills that would um, be displayed at such a thing, if you'll let us know, we'll get you in contact with the leader. But I would also encourage you simply to come to the craft fair on the 5th. And I'm going to call on Adam Wycliffe to give us one more announcement about the pictorial directory. Before he comes, I'll tell you how critical it is that you take a picture, even if you figure everybody knows who you are. I'm telling you, I'm still learning. I'm still learning. And visuals help. And guess what? We're about to have two new staff, minimum. It helps them to have a picture of you, to understand who you are, so that I can say, hey, see this guy? This is what he looks like. And he's crazy. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right. So, as Pastor Joe just said, we have family portraits coming up very soon for our new directory. We came up with a directory about three years ago, and um, like I've like I've been saying the past couple of weeks, uh, some of the folks who you see in church today who are little kids used to be babies, and so we like having more current pictures. And then of course, all of our um, staff since the staff has completely changed since uh, last time. But uh, we're doing pictures March 3rd through the 7th now. We did open up Monday because there are very few spots left uh, 
Thursday through uh, Sunday, or Friday through Sunday. Actually, Thursday is completely filled up now. And um, so we have opened up Monday. The times are from 1 p.m. to 8 p.m. Uh, you can sign up through our website at greerchurch.com. We also will have sign-ups at the end of church service today. The deadline for signing up is Thursday. So if Friday comes along and you're like, oh, I forgot to sign up, then reach out to us. You can reach out to me. Reach out to Jane Rhodes. We'll get you in contact with uh, the folks that we need to, and we can see if we can get something worked out. But we really do need you to sign your family up for a portrait. So again, it's uh, greerchurch.com. Look on the left-hand side. There's a little link there. You can click that. I frequently ask questions, so if you have a question about the process, we probably have answered it there. And then again, if you have any questions about any of that, you can um, ask me or you can ask Jane Rhodes. All right, thanks. Let's begin our worship service. Please stand as you're able for our opening hymn, Lord Who Throughout These Forty Days.
Let us now affirm our faith with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day He rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence He shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. Now call our children forward for the children's sermon. And following the doxology, after the offering, your children have an opportunity to go to the library with Miss Beth. We'll remind you, and they'll be back before the worship service is over. Good morning. Can you hold this for me? Have any of you ever done something that was so wonderful and so amazing that you wanted to run home and tell everybody at your house? What kind of thing was it? Um, I, I, I did, um, a I did a front flip before. You did a front flip? So you wanted to go home and tell everybody in the house and your friends and your neighbors. Okay. I used to like to do that when I would make 100 on my spelling test. I would run around and tell everybody that I had made 100. But let's look at the other side. Have you ever done anything that was so bad that you wanted to hide? Yeah. Okay, I'm not going to tell you what I did. I'm not going to ask you what you did. But that's part of being human. We make mistakes. And God loves us unconditionally no matter what. So I'm going to show you. I'm going to do a cutout to explain that to you. Hold on just a second. Hold it close to me. Thank you. You know, Valentine's Day just passed. And I'm sure you probably cut some of these in your classroom. So I'm going to cut out a Valentine. does this mean? Love. Yes, it means love. And God loves us unconditionally. Let me read the scripture to you now. It's um, Luke 23, 32. Hold on just a second. Okay. Two other men, both criminals, were also led with him, that would be Jesus, to be executed. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults and said, aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him, saying, Don't you fear God, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. So this is love. And we ask forgiveness because God loves us unconditionally, but we still need to admit we were wrong, admit we did something wrong, and ask forgiveness. And when we do that, God lays down his love and his life for us. And there's the cross to prove it. So you're going to get one of these today to take home, and it stands up. 
so you can understand that even when we make mistakes, God still loves us. Okay, let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for letting us know that we are human, and thank you for letting us know that you forgive us and you love us no matter what. Help us to ask for guidance in everything we do and make it be pleasing unto you. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. to turn to page 852 in your pew Bible for our first scripture reading, which is Psalm 13, 852. I was just speaking to the confirmands about the Psalms and how you can find great happiness, great sadness, great anger, sad indifference, 
in the Psalms. I want you to see what emotions, listen to the emotions that, uh, you know, see here, whatever the word is, as we look at it. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, O Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. My enemy will say, I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, for He has been good to me. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O God, our Deliverer, You led Your people of the old through the wilderness and brought them to the Promised Land. Guide now the people of Your church that following our Savior we may walk through the wilderness of this world towards the glory of the world to come. Through Jesus Christ our Lord who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. It's now time for our offering of uh, tithes and other offerings. If you note in our financial report, we've been doing very well. But for the one week that we did not have church, we are one exact week behind in our series, but we've been doing tremendously well when we've been here. Please note that every week. Pay attention to it. And as we um, have a time of our offering, if you'll pass the attendance sheet um, to the outside or the inside of your pew. And note if you would like to come to the lunch next week if you haven't already.
Please be seated. The children can now go with Miss Beth to the library if they like. And they will return right when the service is about to end. I was asked at 9 o'clock if adults are eligible to go to the library during worship. And I said it has to do with your uh, consistency of good behavior. And so the person who asked me was no. The answer is no. <laughs> You'd be part of the solution. We are looking today at, Ma at Luke 23. It's on page 1641 in your pew Bible if you want to follow along. It starts with verse 32. We're continuing with our book this week, the final words on the cross. These are things that with the last breath that Jesus had speaking to humanity as a human, this is what he said to them. And the first part of it is very short. The verse is very short. Verse 32. Two other men, both criminals, were also led with him to be executed. We'll come back. The thing Reverend Hamilton wanted us to note was the people that were with Jesus at the very end. And he said, not only do I want you to note that, but note who he was with throughout the entire time that he was on earth that we have documented in the Bible. Where did he start? In a tiny town. In a tiny house. In a spot where animals would be. Some people say maybe a cave. Either way. It's a place that's not terribly significant, not surrounded by terribly significant people, actually surrounded by somewhat significant animals. This is where Jesus begins. Who does Jesus call? Disciples. He calls fishermen, tax collector, people that would not normally be picked by society to be the religious standard bearers. They wouldn't be picked either because they wouldn't think those people would understand or wouldn't think they'd live a life worthy of being a disciple of Jesus Christ, being in his inner circle. And so he came from a somewhat insignificant place with somewhat significant animals and then called somewhat insignificant people in terms of religious terms, probably way smarter than a number of different people work-wise, Life-wise, people, you know, these people that they understand life, they know how it works, and you go to them for real wisdom, what would you do in this situation? What about his meals? Who does he share his meals with? People you wouldn't normally share a meal with. Understanding that if I eat with you, I'm acknowledging that we are equals among one another, that you're part of this. And so eating with people that would have been cast out of society. Making sure that people who would have wanted the biggest chair sat way down there. And the people that wouldn't have been invited to the meal were at the front. At some of those meals, even you know, a tax collector says, you know what, I haven't done the best I could have done. Really haven't done even close to what I could have done. I'm going to change my life going here forward. Jesus is excited about that. Tax collectors excited about that. Anybody on the outside excited about that? Mm -mm, I don't even know how you're eating with him. He's not going to do anything. And he shouldn't even have the opportunity to do anything. And now the cross. All these locations and people in Jesus' life, and it ends with him dying beside two people who are what? Criminals. And not petty stuff. Big time stuff. Vicious criminals are the last people beside him. You know, last week I talked about all those people who said, Hey, can I be close to you? Can I sit next to you? Can I be next to you during heaven? No, mm, these people don't want to be close to him right now. Two criminals are close to him. Verse 39 says... One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. This is the last angry human that Jesus has to deal with as a human. <laughs> Which I've never considered. 
This is the last person that's going to yell at him. But this person sort of captures people who have yelled at him during his time. Jesus evoked incredibly powerful emotional responses. When he did things and said things, people hated it. And they let him know about it. He came into the um, synagogue and they said, Oh, look at him. He's, he's, he's going to read for us. He read for him and he read the scripture and he said, God, oh, isn't he a good reader? And he said, Today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And they said, What? Who are you to say that? Angry to the point that we're going to push you out on a cliff and hopefully push you off. He made people angry when he did things and when he said things. The hard thing is, he made people angry when he didn't do things and didn't say things. They say, why didn't you tell those people that they should have fixed it? There's no way you're the son of God. There's no way you're even related to God if you're not going to say something to those people. In the times in which he was walking to heal someone and was impeded for one way or another, what did people say when, the, when he was late arriving? It doesn't matter. I thought you cared. I thought you were going to do something. Sometimes oppressed, sometimes in his face. If you had been here, we could have fixed it. That person on that cross saying that to him captures humanity. Did Jesus put him on the cross? No. Jesus had nothing to do with that man being on the cross that day, yet he's upset with Jesus. And his faith is, uh, if you do something, then I'll believe you. You say you're the Messiah, you say you're the King, do something. And if you do something, I might even believe you, at least today. At least for a little while, I'll believe you, if you, if you do something. Y'all ever do that? Mercy. We do that. If you ever loved me, you'd do something right now. And if you do something right now, I promise to believe you at least for a little while going forward. Maybe a good week. Verse 40 says, But the other criminal rebuked him. That is, the other criminal, not Jesus. The criminal is rebuking the criminal. Don't you fear God, he said? Since you're under the same sentence... We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Y'all ever heard that song repeated, that one verse song? Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Um, I've been in uh, worship services in seminary and in um, uh, special retreats where that's just repeated 15, 20, 25 times because it doesn't sink in for a good five or six. You're thinking about something else. You're thinking, this song's beautiful. I need to take out the trash. And then it comes around again. This song really is beautiful, um, but I don't... I probably don't need to just remember me. I'm in pretty good shape. It comes around again and again. Look it up on YouTube today. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. Adam pointed out something about that request that I never knew. Or it just hadn't occurred to me. He says that request ties back to the entire passage of the Old Testament. The entire scripture. Because people in the law, in the history, in the Psalms, in Proverbs, the prophets, they all said... Please remember me in this moment. They were in a very dark place. Did you notice what Psalm 13 was? My enemies are going to rejoice if they see how badly I'm getting wounded. I'm going to have nothing if you let this keep going. But I have faith in you. I believe in you before your action on this particular subject because your action preceded anything I ever did. Lord, remember me, is what he says, when you come into your kingdom. When he says that, he captures the other side of humanity. The broken, desperate for forgiveness, God, if you'll accept me, side. 
we have both criminals in our hearts and minds. 43, Jesus answered him, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Number one word people focus on in that sentence is paradise. What is paradise and when is paradise? There are any number of subjects that I learned and uh, recalled for a test in seminary. A number of different subjects that have not come up again when I could have used a number of different subjects for practical leadership in a church. But I do remember going back and forth and debating the nature of afterlife. And people used scripture to determine uh, uh, many different paths, one of which was we remain asleep until the second coming and then we are all raised at the same time in one accord together. But we don't know any different because we're asleep. The other, there are many theories. The other major theory is we are immediately in heaven at that very moment of death. Now, Adam talks about, you'll see if you pick up the book, he talks about them both briefly and he says, um, two things lead me to believe that it's immediate. One is the instance in which Jesus goes up on the mountain with a couple of his disciples and he sees um, Moses and Elijah. And those two leaders instruct him on this is what we want to do. And you remember Peter thinks it's so cool up there. Let's just build a house up here and stay up here. I'll build one for each of you. It'll be great. We don't deal with any of those people down there. We'll stay up here with the people who are really thinking about this. And Jesus says what? We've got to go back down. Adam's other theory is in the scripture today. Today, you will be with me in paradise. He says, some people say that the passage is saying, today I'm saying that one day you'll be with me in paradise. But he didn't really think that. We sort of focus on that if we're not careful, and then we end on that. What Adam wants us to note is that he says, today, you. You is the important word. And who's the you? The criminal. The guy who is dying on the cross because of what he did. You will be with me. Jesus is drawing in the criminal in the last moments he has left. Both Jesus and the criminal. And this evokes all sorts of questions and uh, um, curious thoughts. If someone begs for forgiveness in the last five seconds of their life, are they accepted in? I'm not talking about any of that. I mean, that is what I'm talking about, but I'm not discussing it any further now. He's saying, I'm drawing you in. And this is one of the difficult balances that we have in this Christian life. Adam says, do people who don't have much to do with church feel comfortable around you and feel comfortable in your church? Delicate balance. This summer is my 20th high school reunion. Last summer was my 15th college reunion. Both preceded ministry. And when you get around people that you spent so much time with, you go back to what you were in about five seconds. Bang. Same jokes. Same laughter. Same behavior. Same uh, um, structure that preceded ministry. And I think to myself, um, if, if I'm their only exposure to a minister, do they need to see me accepting them or do they need to see me being different from them? Um, I was getting a haircut the other day, and I've explained to you before how awkward I am in, in brief social interactions, and uh, haircut's one of the worst, because uh, I'm thinking this guy right here is listening to everything we're saying, like, what are we talking about? And then they, you know, they say, what do you do? And I say, I'm a minister, and, and then, oh, it, it gets real weird after that, <laughs> in a number of different, I can't describe to you how weird it gets, such to the point that sometimes I just say, Truck driver, uh, sniper, the things, that, things that cut off conversation. 
So I was talking to this person, and she knew I was a minister, and she asked me, do you have kids? And I explained my kids, and uh, do you have kids? Um, yes, I have two from a previous marriage, and, and one with um, the person brought in two, and now we have one, so there's a total of three. And I said, how do y'all talk about um, discipline and, and what you're going to do and how you're going to do it? Like, do, do the original two talk about it more? Or do y'all talk about it more? Or do you combine more? Do you get to see that person? And the person said, um, yes. He, he still married that person and married to me too. We all live in the same house. <laughs> I was like... So, um, I'm a, um, I've, never, I've never put it this way, but I think, I think I've determined why I'm slow to respond. I'm a deep thinker, and I'm a slow thinker. <laughs> so I think to the root of things, but not very quickly. And so I don't have a response back, and I'm thinking, she's thinking, what's this minister going to say about this? As she's doing this, okay? And I'm thinking, and I went, hmm. I said, um, how old are they? I don't know. And I know that this life um, has very complicated combinations. Um, my family has a couple complicated combinations, and I know that that's part of life. And my goodness, there's some complicated combinations in here. Understand that. And so if you have a complicated combination, that means nothing, has nothing to do with whether you are following God. It has to do with, you, you know, you're human, like the humans in the Bible. But in that moment, I was thinking, what? And whenever I gather with, uh, you know, citadel friends, and they start doing citadel things when, when you're not at work, and I thought, I think, what do they need me to do? And so I respect the fact that if you're thinking, do people that have nothing to do with church need to feel more comfort from me? Or do people that have nothing to do with church need to feel more direction and guidance from me? Well, I, in my opinion, if we followed what Jesus did, Jesus gave them comfort, but he didn't just stop there. He also said, okay, and, and here's the way to move forward. He didn't... He, he gave them direction, but he didn't start there. So if people are watching your actions infinitely more than they're listening to your words, and the question to you in the midst of this text is, do people who have nothing to do with church feel comfortable around you? I want you to think about it. Reflect on it this season. Because Jesus, at his beginning and at his very death, was drawing those people as one of his primary purposes. And that is one of the fundamental differences between himself and the religious leadership, and both thought they were right. Both thought they were doing what they were doing in the name of God. So consider such this week. Think about how those people feel around you, and if you are one of those people, I hope that you feel comfortable here. And I hope that we'll all be thinking, whenever we gather, how do people who don't typically gather with us feel about being here? And what can we teach them about the nature of God with our actions and our words? Let us pray. Lord, we often think about the most beautiful locations and the most sophisticated, elegant gathering spaces as the closest to you. Help us to remember that your son went to very dangerous locations and involved himself with very dangerous people in a world that you created with free will. Help us, Lord, when we place ourselves in difficult positions, not to reach out in anger, trying to get faith based on a reaction that you get us out of the problem. Help us, as the psalmist did, simply to reach out and pray, remember me. Assure us of your presence, Lord, both in this place and in the place to come. 
and inspire us to reach out to people that are not deeply connected to us, that they may know you in your Son's name. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our final hymn is number 707. And you stand as you are able to join us. Reflect upon those two criminals, their behavior, their actions, their words. Reflect upon both tendencies in your hearts and minds. Reflect upon the ability of Christ to reach out to you right exactly where you are. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit go with you all. Amen.